2: of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Pillar up in Collingwood. And there's two days until the Sens open training camp, and this is a packed edition of the show. We have Craig Morgan on. He works for AZCoyotesInsider.com to break down Derek Stepan, what he's seen from him recently, and does he have it in him to get back to his 50 to 60 point self. And then a bittersweet interview. We finally caught up with Haley Salvian, one of our favorite writers in Sensland. But as you heard this morning, that is no more. She took a great opportunity out in Calgary. So consider this an exclusive exit interview. And then we'll turn our attention to the World Juniors and Timmy Superstar. Are you kidding me? Three points on the ice for all four goals and they get a win Finally, all that and more, this is the Locked On Senators Podcast, your team every day. Today is Tuesday, December 29th in Pilsy, a ton to get to, but holy, I'm pretty sure Joey Decord broke the internet yesterday.
0: Goalie-friendly show, so you know we got to shout out an absolutely sick mask. Shout out Shifty is mask designer. Like, this is, like, there's a lot going on here, and I love the style of it. You got the Sens logos on the side. One glittery. With, yeah, the nice glittery gold. You got the Sens logo, then the shoulder patch S on the side as well. And, of course, tying in the Spartan from 300, and then – This is a little kind of Easter egg that maybe not a lot of Sens fans are aware of, but every helmet that Joey Decord has had has had the ASU mascot, Sparky, hidden in there. So East Coast Sens did find him, but uh, see if you can find him on Joey's mask here.
2: Yeah, it was funny too. Drew East Coast Sens wrote saying that we might need a Sparky collaboration one of these days. And how nice of Joey using a portrait of you on the front of his helmet a with the six pack the 300 roman and great comment from tycos as well saying if i could give this 300 likes i totally would with the the 300 movie reference in there as well and you gotta love the detail from shifty like the blood coming off the sword it looks unreal the colors are amazing you mentioned the glittery gold on on the logo everything about this bucket screams NHLer, so I can't wait till Joey gets into the national league so we can get to see this on the ice on a consistent basis because man he's a friend of the show we're obviously going to pump his tires but this is objectively a sick helmet
0: I love it and he he tried something different you know with uh yeah like you referenced the Spartan 300 uh guy on the front like that's that's a cool cool thing to add there and it kind of ties in the these senators logo and mascot with a little bit of like warrior to it, right? Like this isn't like the, the politician senator sitting down here. These are the Spartans. We're coming to battle and Joey is leading the charge.
2: And another man who will be in that Sens army is Derek Stepan. And we had to ask somebody who covered him in Arizona because Sens fans will remember him as a New York Ranger, the 2012 playoff series, the 2017 playoff series, but Derek Stepan, we talked about it on yesterday's show. If you haven't caught up on that, we got into all the news of the weekend. But what did you learn? We'll get to Craig Morgan in just a minute. But from talking to him, do you think Derek Stepan can get back to that prime of his career? I don't know about the prime, but
0: I'm pretty convinced that he's going to have a better season than last season. That's for sure. Like 10 goals, 18 assists, 28 points. I think he's going to have a big boost, especially if the rumors are true and it looks like he's going to end up playing on a line with Stutzla. And then if we have our way, Dadinov on the other line, like there's no way you don't rack up points there. And I think a change of scenery, he's having a new uh, child. So you kind of get that family time and rest. And then you're like, all right, get the lunchbox, get the work coat. We're going back to work. And he said it himself. He really worked on the, the off-season when they were waiting to come back for playoffs. He really worked on his game, and you saw it. He looked like a great player for the Coyotes in that qualifying round against the Nashville Predators.
2: He had his media availability yesterday, and just after we record, he's going to be on TSN mornings on 1,200, but he just said, he said he's jacked up, really looking forward to the opportunity. He will wear number 15 famously worn by both Danny Heatley and Zach Smith. But he also changed something else about his game, and we'll save that for Craig Morgan to fill you in on. So here he is from azcoyotesinsider.com, Craig Morgan. All right, we now welcome a very special guest. He's going to give us some insight into the newest Ottawa Senators. He covers the Arizona Coyotes at azcoyotesinsider.com. It's Craig Morgan. Welcome, Locked On Senators. How are you doing today? Great. How are you guys doing? Oh, we're fantastic. Like this offseason, it's been almost 300 days if you're an Ottawa Senators fan. I know (laughs) your Coyotes got back into the bubble, but it's been so long and drawn out. And now here we are three days before Ottawa training camp opens, and they're switching up the lines. They're making trades left and right with Tampa and with the Arizona Coyotes. And we thought, who better than you to have on to give us the background? How has Derek Stepan looked the past three years? He comes to... Arizona in a situation where they're rebuilding and now he's in a similar one with Ottawa what was your initial impression to start off with the move well
3: I was in Chicago on the draft floor when they when they made the trade uh, to get him from the Rangers along with Auntie Ranta in in 2017 and John Trica who was the GM at the time explained that he felt like this team with with a young core needed some veterans to come in and sort of shepherd these guys to NHL adulthood so in some ways, it's a very similar situation to what's happening here in Ottawa. The move made sense to me at the time. I still think it made sense. Uh, a lot of people have criticized it, of course, because Stephon's production after that first season really just fell off a cliff. But he's, he does bring a lot of other things to the table. Clearly, he brings the leadership that the Senators are looking for. He's also a very responsible defensive player, just a really smart player. When you watch him on the ice, he always seems to be in the right places. He's just a very heady player. Um, the one obviously big knock on him is with that 6.5 million cap hit, his offense has just, again, cratered the last two seasons. Uh, I spoke to him about this actually uh, a few weeks ago, and he really thought he had recaptured his game. When he went into the offseason, he, he was determined to sort of remake some things in his game. And when he came back for the bubble, he was pretty productive. He's convinced that he's actually going to be more productive this season. And by the way, this is something you should ask him about at some point. He said he went back to a thinner stick blade. he has been using this big paddle, as he called it, for a very long time. But he went back to the skill guy blade, and he he felt like he was a lot more productive. That was the blade he actually used for the first eight years of his career.
0: Wow, interesting. Some stick blade ins- insight <laughs> yeah. here. That's why you're yeah, the insider, have It's been Craig.
3: psyche part, but who knows?
0: Yeah. So so I want to ask you obviously, a down season for Derek Step on last season, only 28 points. Now, do you think that this is a situation where he's going to get, you said, he said it himself, he feels like he's going to have a big boost, but do you think a change of scenery re- will really help him here to uh, boost that offense back up?
3: Yeah. I mean, I think that can always help him. You know, once, once he actually gets settled in, of course, he's going to take a little while for him to get there with his wife being pregnant and we'll see how that all shakes out. But I think a change of scenery can, can motivate a guy. I also think the fact that step is going into the final year of his deal can be a motivational factor. In fact, he said it himself. Look, these guys are playing for their livelihoods. The coyotes have six of these guys or had six. Now they have five going into the final year of their contract. And and several of them actually were really candid in saying, yes, it can be a motivating factor that can just push you a little farther along.
2: Yeah, and it's a situation where you did some background. It was a six-year contract, so you're going back a little further, but he was almost a point per game the last contract year and had 19 playoff games. I believe he was in double digits in points in that situation too. Under Rick Tockett, it seems like he's a pretty defensive-minded coach. Could that hinder an offensive guy like Derek Stepan, or was this a situation where maybe he did have to adjust his style of game too?
3: Yeah, I, you know, I hear that. I heard the same thing about Dave Tippett. Here, here's the thing. Coaches will, will coach to their players, and the Coyotes just didn't have enough elite talent up front. That's why they played a defensive style, because their strength was goaltending and the blue line. Having said that, look, Step had you – know, he was incredibly consistent over much of his career, 50-plus points almost every season, and he did that his first season in Arizona. So I don't really think you can blame the system. I think there was something in Derek Stepon's game that really slipped The last two seasons. Now, again, he was a very responsible defensive player. A lot of times they gave him tough matchups defensively, but even that really isn't a huge switch from what he was doing in New York. I think something just fell off there with him the last two seasons and now he's trying to recapture it.
0: So when he was in Arizona, I mean, uh, as Sens fans, we don't get to see a whole lot of the Coyotes playing. So we didn't really get to see uh, the situation he was in. Who was he mostly playing with? And, do, and who, what style of player do you think he should be playing with when he comes to Ottawa here?
3: Well, I mean, he's he, he he bounced around, actually. They they juggled the lines quite a bit because they were trying to find something that would work offensively, the, like that January-February stretch they went through. They just couldn't score at all. It felt like they were losing a one-goal game every night, and they dropped from first place to out of the playoff picture. It was crazy. But um, he played a lot with Clayton Keller. They seemed to have some chemistry at times together. Um, he likes to I, – I know he still likes to play with the puck, so – you, you got to find guys that'll, that'll work with him there. And he likes to have a guy who can go get him. The putt, Lawson Krause at times was a guy that helped him in that situation. But I also think Derek's a, a pretty versatile guy. He's a pretty versatile player. So he can blend with a number of different styles. They'll just have to tinker with that in camp.
0: I'm really intrigued with the Arizona Coyotes because they're at a very strange spot in their franchise right now especially after the way that last draft went for them what's next for the Coyotes here like are they at a stage where it's tear it down and and try to get future picks or where where are they headed here do you think
2: Uh, Ekman Larson's storyline was just crazy to me it was like you had a window to trade him and now is he going to stay there long term too
3: yeah, I mean, I, I was obviously following that one very closely. And I was the one who, when, when uh, the deadline, they set, his agent set a deadline. And as soon as we arrived at that deadline, his agent sent me a text saying, time's up, he's not going anywhere. <laughs> and I mean, at least for this season, I would assume that's the case. Oliver really wants to play here. He wants to stay here. And, and I think that was clear, the fact that he had, you know, uh, the, the clause in his contract, but he still gave him two, two teams to explore it with it was pretty clear that he wanted to do what was best for the team, but he wanted to stay here. And when they couldn't work out a trade with either Vancouver or Boston, you know, he wanted to come back. But getting to the the bigger picture of what you asked me initially with what they're trying to do, they had a bunch of those guys, as I mentioned earlier, that were going into the final year of their contract. They tried to move a lot of those guys. They really wanted to tear this thing down, acquire draft picks, which they obviously do not have for a variety of reasons, whether it's the wrist slap from the NHL because of the combine violations or trading picks away for guys like Taylor Hall. They don't have a lot of draft picks. Bill Armstrong really wants to reacquire some of those, but the market was so awful this offseason with the flat cap and other reasons, you know, teams losing money. They just weren't able to do it. They finally got this one deal done for Stefan and they feel they got a really good return, but I would imagine we'll see some of these other guys traded as well, whether it's, you know, as a team has an injury at some point in the season or at the trade deadline, I do think they'll try to move a bunch of these guys out because I don't think
2: the intent is to re-sign these guys. Well, that's really interesting. You mentioned so many guys who are maybe on the way out. One guy who yeah. was and landed in Ottawa, Alex Galchenyuk. You could talk to a reporter for almost every team, and you could say Alex Galchenyuk played there recently. But what did you see out of his game in his time in Arizona? Honestly,
3: not much. There was a there was this preseason game where they had everybody excited about the power play with Alex Galchenyuk on it. And there was the, the first preseason game they played at Gila River Arena I mean, they just looked dynamite. He was, he was in that – he was on the off wing, you know, just sort of in the shooter slot, and he, he had a, a goal in that game and another one that, where he hit the post, and everybody's thinking, oh, my God, this guy's going to be the answer to their, play, or, or their power play woes. And then he got hurt, and he never showed anything again. I mean, I, I know Alex has taken a lot of hits from people for, for personal reasons, off-ice stuff. I kind of thought some of that was overblown in Montreal, and, and when you talk to the guy, he's, he's a little bit awkward, a little bit shy with media. But I think he's a genuinely good guy who really works hard at his craft. He just, for whatever reason, he hasn't put it all together like he did that one incredible 30-goal season in Montreal.
0: Ironically, uh, I was going to say, we're hoping the Sens can uh, make kind of an Anthony DeClaire situation out of him. <laughs> Another guy you're you're familiar with that has bounced around a lot as well. But I want to ask you uh, about, we love Joey Decord, our big <laughs> uh, goalie friendly show here. We've had him on the show a couple of times, an ASU graduate. Like, it was so interesting to us when we got a chance to talk to him when he was at school there. Like, what is it like? having such a good hockey program in Arizona and how much of a difference has it been at ASU for the hockey program specifically since Joey Decord has left?
3: Yeah. I mean, first of all, yes, he's a, he's a great personality. I love talking to him. I talked to him when I wrote the story on Brian Decord when the Coyotes hired him to run their goaltending department. And of course he was money with the quotes, but it's really weird that there's a D one program here and it's even stranger that they launched it before they had an arena. Now, they thought they were going to have an arena solution a couple times, one time with the Coyotes, and it didn't happen. So they've been waiting five years now. They're going to have to play next season at that community ice rink called Oceanside Ice Arena, which really isn't even one of the nicer community rinks in the area. Beyond that, they got a new arena coming, and I just think it's going to pay so many dividends for this program. They've already proven that they can compete in D1, in spite of the fact that they're this outpost so far away from any other D1 program. People criticize them for letting the club coach take over. Greg Powers has done an unbelievable job with his staff of recruiting. They're obviously you know, playing an entire road season this year in the Big Ten, which is insane, but they've been competitive since that first weekend. I, I still think they have a chance at the tournament this year. But when that arena arrives in uh, the 2022-2023 season, I don't see any more roadblocks for this program. I just think there are going to be so many players that want to come play here simply because – you're walking to practice in, in flip flops and a T-shirt, and there's palm trees everywhere. I mean, it's it's the only Division One market like that in all of North America.
2: Yeah, well, it attracted Mario Lemieux's son, so you got to think if yes. it's good enough for him. How can it not be good enough for you? And man, you're gonna Jane see Dope's that son and
3: Daddy Briere son too.
2: Oh, really? <laughs> That's amazing. Well, Danny Breer, uh, maybe a notorious name around here for the Saber sens rivalry in the (laughs) mid-2000s, but you look at the grassroots that that's going to create in Arizona. Everyone talks about Austin Matthews, but people forget he's actually the second-best player born in Arizona. Now, he didn't grow up there, but I think people listening would say Brady Kachuk would be right up there while uh, his dad was playing for the uh, Phoenix Coyotes at the time. But we're really intrigued, actually, by the Arizona Coyotes because there are some parallels in going through a rebuild like the Ottawa Senders are, but without the draft capital. It's going to be fascinating, and we're looking forward to catching up again down the road and following your work at AZ Coyotes Insider. Craig Morgan, really appreciate you taking the time with us tonight. All right, guys.
3: Really, thanks for having me. Anytime. Just give me a shout, and I will uh, be happy to join.
2: Hope you guys enjoyed that chat with Craig. It's a little something different, but we think it's great to get insight from people who would see these guys on a daily basis. So expect more of that in the future of really tapping into different markets around the NHL when it does have to do with your Ottawa sender. Something we're going to have to do with Haley now that she's out in Calgary. And there is that stretch of five or six, late February, where there's just going to be a bloodbath between Calgary and Ottawa. So we'll absolutely get Haley on the show. We're coming up. To her as well, but when an episode is this packed, you better have your Built Go's handy because Built Go makes you the best at what you do. And in this situation, it's as simple as getting through a packed episode of the Locked On Senators podcast. Like, let's be honest, everyone has that wall, whether it's mental or physical, you can break through it with Built Go and you can take it every day. They come in easy to take one-and-a-half-ounce packages that you can put in your briefcase for the most focused presentation ever, your golf bag, if you're lucky enough to live somewhere where it's not covered in snow like it is up here in enemy territory, or you could just put it in your pocket and get through the day. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. Think about it like this. It's five-hour energy, but without that same crash feeling. Plus, it's natural, therefore, it's better for your body. It's like drinking a monster drink, but with a third of the caffeine, and better results. Comes in three delicious flavors as well, so you never get bored of the same old. You can have peanut butter honey one day, you can have chocolate coconut the next, and have your third option of chocolate mint. Now, how does Built Go work so well? Built Go combines energy gel with collagen protein. Collagen protein absorbs fast, so it gets into my system, and it's easy on the stomach too. Built Go is loaded with good stuff that ignites my work, like beta alanine, like B3 honey, and as I mentioned, it has that kick of caffeine. Built Go then kicks me into high gear and keeps me going strong throughout the day. 10,000% of your daily recommended dose of B12, B6, collagen protein as well. It promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health. This stuff literally makes you look better. Visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED and you'll get off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED for 30% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. All right, we've teased it enough. Haley Salvian coming right up, but how could we not talk, Timmy Superstar? This guy is an animal like Pilsy. I'll get into the game against Slovakia, but you look at his ice time throughout the tournament, 26 minutes in game one. 22-12 22-12 against Canada, and the only reason it wasn't more is because what's the point? You're down 16-2. to two. I don't think you really need to push it into high gear, but when it's tied in the third period, you certainly do. He played 31 minutes, and he played 3 out of 4 minutes in overtime. This guy, it seems like he's Thomas Shabbat, but at forward. It's
0: incredible what Timmy Stutzla does and at every single game I'm more and more and more intrigued about him and proving myself more and more wrong about him. Like having to see him in these situations, they're down so many players. They're already a weaker team in the tournament, but Timmy Stutzler just continues to impress whether he's scoring goals, whether he's doing a million dekes in his own zone around (laughs) around attacking forwards just to uh, pass the puck to the defenseman behind
2: the net. Like it's endless what this kid can do. Another thing I love that he does on the power play, when the puck is on the other side of the ice, he's using his stick like it's a wand. He's like like facing one player. He's like, no, pass it to that guy. And then it goes to another. He's like, no, over there. No, this guy's over. He's like an
0: air traffic control guy.
2: Exactly. And then he's beaver tapping when he wants the puck on his stick. And he scored the first goal on a beautiful tip. The second one, oh, we'll call it a greasy bounce. But when you go end-to-end, you earn yourself those bounces. So a pair of goals. Then he adds an assist as well. And he, he, did he, did he get one on the overtime winner as well? I don't think so. He got the secondary assist on the OT winner. Three points though, right? It was the third goal. He didn't contribute on, but he was on the ice for all four.
0: Yeah. I mean, when you have the ice time, Timmy (laughs) Stutzla has, there's a good chance you're on the ice for all four goals. And something that's uh, really impressive to me too, Ross, is you look at this German team. They only have nine goals total scored, but Three of their players are in the top seven in points of this tournament. You got John Paterka, who has five points. You got Timmy Stutzla, five points. And then Florian Elias with six points. Only Dylan Cousins has more points than him. Like that is just wild. So the Germans obviously relying heavily on these three players, but they're coming through like a 4-3 OT win against Slovakia. But it is a little tough for them going ahead here that they took that game to overtime. That's going to hurt them points wise. They really needed kind of a clean uh, regulation win sweep over Slovakia and Switzerland. So it'll be interesting to see if Germany can hold on here.
2: No show tomorrow, but on Thursday's episode, we're going to break down all sorts of situations. What could happen going in to quarterfinal season as we wind down the round Robin. But as of right now, Murray Pam pointing out on Twitter that Stutzla has been on the ice for 43% of all of German's ice time, which is a wild statistic. And it just shows how important he is to that team. How important has Haley Salvian been to the Ottawa Senators beat over the past year? Plus, I don't think you can measure it maybe in terms of articles. Yeah, but in terms of impact and putting Ottawa on a national scale with the athletic, it's been a real pleasure to have her in the market. So unfortunately we found out right before we recorded this interview that this was going to be it. So, Turned out to be an exclusive exit interview in a sense, but Pillsy was great catching up with Haley.
0: Absolutely. I mean, we, uh, we had been back and forth with Haley for quite a while, uh, trying to work out a time to get her on the show. Better late than never, really. We got her right down to the wire, but... It was, it, it was bittersweet because Haley brought a fresh new perspective to the Sens beat, right? Like a lot of, we, we know the usual suspects, uh, one we won't name on this show, but then you got, uh, you know, your TSN guys, the Sportsnet guys. Like there's, there, there's very similar mainstream ways to cover this team. And I thought Haley brought a really cool, fun, new perspective to this. And she got a lot of good stories uh, out of this team, just like you'll hear her favorite story about uh, Boro and his wife. In, during uh, trade deadline time. So it's it's going to be sad to see her go, but it's nice to see her move on to a different opportunity in Calgary. And yeah, like you said, when Calgary play, plays the Sens, we're definitely going to hear back from her.
2: That Borough story and a whole lot more. Here's our conversation with the Athletics' Haley Salvian. All right, we now welcome a very special guest. It's the Athletics Rookie of the Year, unanimously voted. It's Haley Salvian. Welcome to Locked On Senators Podcast. How are you doing today, Haley?
1: I'm doing really well after hearing that. I'd love to know. Uh, I didn't even see the vote. I'd love to see who uh, Well, it's who an unofficial <laughs>
2: vote, but we had <laughs> mm-hmm. Scott Wheeler on the show leading up to the NHL draft, and he was very clear on who it should be. But Now we're hearing that you're moving from one kachuk to the other. So before we get into your background and some sense questions, because you've been all over the beat over the past plus year now, what's going on? How are we losing you? And what's this opportunity out in Calgary?
1: Yeah, so the company actually um, had an opening at the Calgary Flames Beat, um, still with the athletic NHL. Um, It was open internally. And we just, you know, after some discussions with my bosses, with my family, everyone, we just thought it would be you know, a really exciting and new opportunity for me in 2021. Um, I really love the city of Calgary. I really love that side of Canada. I'm a big outdoors person. I loved my time here at Ottawa, but I just felt that, you know, with that opportunity coming up, I didn't know when an opportunity to cover a team like the Calgary Flames would come up again. And it was similar to when I took the opportunity to cover the Ottawa Senators. I I didn't want to let it pass by. And it was such a great Season slash sixteen months. You know, I I can't really call it one year because it was such a strange year and postseason. I was here for about sixteen months, and going into Ottawa, I thought, you know, if I let this opportunity pass by, I don't know when there's going to be another one. And I kind of looked at this Calgary opening as as a similar kind of situation where, okay, there's an opening to cover, you know, another great Canadian team. When's that ever going to happen again at this company who's already given me so much? And uh, I just kind of thought I would take another leap of faith and, and now yeah we're gonna see what happens with the, the Calgary Flames but I really did love my time in Ottawa it's just really cool opportunity those kind of opportunities don't come by all the time so I just really wanted to jump at it.
0: Yeah man that is some bittersweet news because uh, we loved having <laughs> you as uh, working the Ottawa beat you came out with a lot of good stuff this year and really kind of <laughs>
2: the 2d scoop (laughs) yeah definitely
0: you got a lot of good scoops and i felt like you really picked up on the culture around here and kind of fit in so we're sad to see you go but happy that you're getting new opportunities now is this going to be pretty much similar capacity in calgary as you had here in ottawa
1: yeah exact same job calgary flames beat reporter and you know i really hope that i can kind of bring what i brought in ottawa to calgary i think the flames similarly are you know they're a different team they're obviously much further along and they're kind of um, rebuilding process, and and one could argue that they're kind of in that window of contention phase right now. Mark Giordano has two years left. Um, Johnny Goudreau has two years left. It's kind of, they're in that window now where it's kind of, is Jacob Markstrom going to push them and kick that window open? I I just think there's a lot of really cool and interesting things that you can really dive into on the Flames beat. And similarly, there was a ton to sink your teeth into with the Ottawa Senators coming into the season. And I just hope that I can bring that same kind of fresh energy. I think that was something that I was really excited and happy that I could bring to the table in Ottawa. And thank you for saying that you feel like I kind of got it because you know, I felt like engaging with the fan base and our subscribers and just talking to people on Twitter and, and reading things and just following people on Sen's Twitter. I found that it really helped me get to know the fan base and what everyone wants and really get the finger on the pulse of what Ottawa Senators fans are thinking and wanting. And I hope that my coverage of the Senators kind of showed and and was exactly what fans are looking for. So I'm really hoping to do the exact same thing in Calgary with, you know, a really exciting Flames team.
2: It is sad to see you go. And I want you to kind of look back now. You've had so many articles. Pillsy mentioned the scoops, but deep dives and Josh Norris and Pillsy and I worked in the production team in Belleville. We saw you, you made those trips down to Belleville. You were up oh, there yeah. watching it and all that. So we really do appreciate that. But looking back, what was the one story that really stayed with you and you think will be a highlight when you look back on your time in Ottawa?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. And that's Thank funny. <laughs> the Belleville trips are always the best. Um, I found that that was so important for me heading into this season was the importance of the prospect's in the rebuilds, you know, I'm not going to learn much about Josh Norris if I'm sitting in Ottawa. So you may as well just drive to Belleville, watch Josh Norris, watch Logan Brown. I drove down when Willan had his first game back. I drove down with Graham Creech from TSN 1200. And know, my my best friend and I, Jessica, she, her and I worked together when I worked for the Jens and she was my boss. And so we went down for the one game against Providence because two of our former Jens players were playing for the Providence Bruins. So she was kind of sitting there like cheering for the former gens, and I was sitting there like stop, like I'm trying to to analyze prospects, and she was getting all excited. But it's funny that you guys noticed in Belleville because that was a really big part. But in terms of like a really you know story that's gonna stick with me, I would probably I would probably say my story about Mark. And Teraboriewetski at the trade deadline. Um, that was a really important narrative to tell, and we see the lists every year and top trade bait boards, and you know why this guy should go, and like what are you going to get for this guy at the deadline, and you know you really lose the human elements. And I understand the trade bait boards because I've done them too. But I think what's lost at the trade deadline is that these are human beings. Um, with families, you know, it's really difficult, especially under the circumstances that the Borbieskis were under with Tara pregnant. They had tried for years and years to to have a baby and they finally, you know, were about to have their first kid and and Mark was, you know, unsure if he was going to get traded or not. And there was a lot of anxiety there and it, a lot of that anxiety kind of culminated and I don't know if you guys remember, but Borbieski missed a few games with flu and he believes a lot of that was like anxiety Induced. He was just so stressed out that he just made himself sick and his body just shut down. And those kind of personal stories are really important to me. And that's going to stick with me, not just because of the importance of telling that kind of story. And bringing that human element element in, but just how meaningful it was to have the trust from Mark and Tara and me to tell such a personal story. You know, it really meant a lot to me, and I think it was a testament to the kind of relationship that we were able to kind of build in the locker room this year because it's not all just why didn't you score on the power play and what's going wrong on the PK. It's the, hey, how are you? How's your wife? Oh, she's pregnant? That's amazing. How's she doing? How are the dogs? Those are really, really important conversations and to kind of lay that foundation and, and gain the trust, like I said, to tell a story like that. And then, of course, the story itself, I just think was super important. Those are my favorite ones is the peeling back the curtain and really just helping fans get to know these people because sometimes people forget that they are people at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, and I mean, those are the best stories to tell. The ones where it's, yeah, like you said, not just stats and uh, box scores and numbers. And especially when you get a guy like uh, Boro, right? Like, he's a guy that is often very candid. You know, he really has yeah. shown that he wants to do the right things in, these com- in the community on and off the ice. And it was I was one of the people that was really sad to see him go. Now, do you think that the Senators have done a good job this year of kind of trying to replace that role that borviesky had? And not just the toughness, but also the... The leadership and good character guys hope you're enjoying our chat with the athletics Haley Salvian but we need to come to you with our new sponsor exclusive sponsor only with the locked on podcast network that's BetOnline.ag. and look this is a hockey podcast but you can bet on any sport out there, let's talk about football. The playoffs are coming up. Week 17 is on the horizon. There's a lot of action to be had. The playoff pictures are still not clear. We're going to see some good battles here. So, there's only one place that has you covered, and one place that we here on the Locked On Centers podcast trust that's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code locked on. For your 50% welcome bonus. Get that bonus in there and then betonline.ag will pop 50% of it right back at you for free just for joining. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code locked on to receive 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. That's betonline.ag, your online sports book experts. Now back to our chat with Haley.
1: Yeah, I think um, certainly after this weekend, we've seen a number of moves that have kind of given a little bit more of that um, experience and leadership. I think Eric Goodbranson probably going to be the closest to like a, a Boro replacement in the sense of being a blue liner. He's a local guy. He's a big guy. Um, you know, he's maybe not the same kind of bruiser that Borowiecki used to be. I know Boro kind of transitioned away from that role in the later years due to CTE, but I think good Branson's probably, you know, going to be the guy that goes in, you know, he's apparently very good in the room. I've heard very good things about his leadership capabilities and, you know, he's going to be a guy who can just like, uh, you know, Hainsey and Borbieski, he's going to be a guy who can kind of take Shabbat and Branstrom Melanin under his wing and kind of show them the ropes. And I think Derek Stepan is probably going to be a similar role. He's 30. He's had a long time in the National Hockey League. You know, I think there's arguments being made that his play is declining with his age. But I think the importance of having a guy who's been there is really is really huge. So I think they've done a good job. But at the same time, you know, I think Borbieski was the perfect guy for that kind of role. But at the end of the day, you know, the decision was made by Borbieski and by the organization too, to maybe a lesser extent, but it was, I'm going to move on and I'm going to seek other opportunities. So I think a lot of that came down on on Mark just saying, I want to find somewhere else, ended up being a mutual decision. So while I think the best person for that kind of leadership role was Mark Borowiecki because of everything he brought to the table, I think the Sens have done a good job trying to recoup um, what they've lost in terms of leadership. But at this end of the day, there's only there's only one borough. <laughs> It so. yes,
2: certainly is. I mean, growing up in the system, a fifth round pick, going through the yeah. the ringer and Binghamton of all places and finally making it, yeah. it's a shame it uh, couldn't work out longer. And as a former summer hockey teammate of Erica Branson, we're 14, I can definitely vouch for his leadership and character. <laughs> <laughs> Although, uh, no, I'm sure that as a third overall pick, there's also some prestige to that we heard DJ say that he's going to start with Thomas Shabbat and there's kind of that yin and yang the Pilsey and I love in our defensive duos where you let Shabbat roam a little bit and allow Goody to play that stay in front of the net and clear the crease type mm-hmm. role we put out on our Twitter at Send Central recently I want to get your take on this as well if you're DJ Smith I'm assuming that Brady Kachuk gets an A that Thomas Shabbat gets an A who would you like to see the third member of that leadership core
1: first instinct is to say give it to Connor Brown um, he's going to be there for another 3 years and I think Connor Brown you know obviously he's shown that he can be a really good two way player um he provided lots of offense um he's incredible uh, defensively, he's really reliable. But I think the leadership that he brings to the table, it's really important. I think Connor Brown's gonna be a big piece of that leadership group. So for me, I would say Connor Brown deserves an A for the next three years, without a doubt. Especially if you wanna have some consistency in that leadership group. Last year we saw Ron Hansey, Pajo, and Boro, and, and they're all gone. And now you're looking for another completely different leadership group. You know, Shabbat and Kachuk are always gonna be that young core leadership group. But, you know, I just, if you give it to Good Branson, he's probably gone after this year. So do you really want to keep doing the, the letter shuffle? Um, I think it could be beneficial for this group to, you know, really get to your your core leadership that can stick around for more than just one year or half a season when you're flipping guys at the deadline. But at the same time, again, we saw what the Sens did last year in giving Ron Hainsey, who was brand new to the team, an A because of that leadership. And Good Branson's kind of coming in and taking that Sweeto, Hainsey, Boro role, being paired with Shabbat, like Hainesy was, and kind of taking over that local guy role from Boro. So maybe Good Branson is a really natural and obvious pick as well. But I personally would choose Connor Brown.
2: You made me laugh when you said the, the assistant, the letter shuffle. You made me think of the Sparty shuffle going on at the Canadian Tire oh. Center. Maybe at the start <laughs> of the season, he's just shuffling everything around, and whoever's underneath yeah. gets the A.
0: Yeah, he's just jumbling those alphabet letters all around there. I want to ask you about, there's a lot of really intriguing storylines and and players that kind of, this is going to be a make or break year for them. One player that I feel like has kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit is Colin White. Where do you see Colin White fitting in to start the season? Like, Do you you think maybe he starts shifting to more a grinding two-way center role in the bottom of the lineup? Or do you try to insert him and ignite him right away in a top six role to try to catch some chemistry with some of these young guys maybe a Timmy Stutzel on his wing or something like that
1: you know I think it's unfortunate Colin White obviously had a difficult year last year and it seems like a lot of people have either just forgotten about him or completely written him off we did a big, you know, how I'd run the senators thing with the athletic, um, with our NHL writers. And so James Myrtle came in and did the cap stuff. And then Dom did the analytics and um, Eric Dehashik did, you know, his kind of view and Scott Wheeler did the prospects. And one of the things right off the bat was Myrtle saying, you know, get rid of your, you know, start getting rid of your bad contracts, like Colin White. And I was like, no, and I call it was my opportunity to completely just call out my boss, because they said, let's get the reality check from Haley. And I was like, really he has one bad season and all and you're looking at his cap hit and saying like get rid of him and I just think it's so unfortunate to just write off a player after one mediocre season where he had a couple of injury problems that whole first half of the season where he was dealing with that I believe it was a groin or hamstring issue Um, him and Anisimov one was groin one was hamstring and he didn't
0: even get to fully recover he went to Belleville I think for one game and they're like oh yeah you were supposed to stay down there for a couple weeks but we need you
2: and he had two assists in that
1: game (laughs) I know and and it's just a shame because you know I think Colin White has the potential to to be a good player it's just you have to give him a chance to show that he can do that and you know last year he was up and down the lineup he was moved you know he was injured then he was moved to the wing he was moved up and down you're you you're going from playing with Mark Stone and Brady Kachuk to playing up and down the lineup with a rotating cast of bottom six wingers essentially I mean there was no consistency for Colin White, and it's difficult for a young player to to really find their game and find their place on a team when that's the reality for them. Um, so, you know, I hope this year Colin White's put in another situation where he can show what he can do. And I personally would like to see – and whenever I say this, people yell at me because they're thinking I'm saying Colin White's a, a number one center – But I would personally like to see Colin White on the top line with Dadnov and Kachuk to kind of try to recreate some of that Mark Stone, Brady Kachuk top line energy. And if that doesn't work out, then you can move him down the lineup and see if, okay, maybe he's a bit more of a Pajot type guy, two-way, make him a bit more of a defensively reliable bulldog style player. But I think, you know, We saw a really good version of Colin White with Mark Stone and Brady. So I would like to personally see them try to recreate that with Dadnov, who, you know, he's not Mark Stone, but he's a really good offensive player. And I think that could be a really good and successful experiment if Colin White rises to the occasion.
2: I like that. And I mean, you also have the safety blanket of maybe a Connor Brown who played a lot on that line last season. And we want to see Dadnob with Timmy Superstar, just feeding him the puck in all different areas (laughs) in the offensive zone. But there's no better time for a rebuild in the middle of a pandemic because you could tell me 10 different line combinations and they would all look good. And you'd have reasoning for all of them. Whereas the Leafs, you're like, oh, is Thornton or are going to play fourth-line center? And yeah. there's really not a whole lot of discourse that can come for that. But a no. ton of discourse around the draft as well. And we had Igor Sokolov on this show and Timmy Superstar. But when we had Igor on, you're just attracted to him right away because he's so open. He's so fun. We asked him if yeah. he wanted to apologize for wearing a Leafs jersey when he attended their development camp. And just such a happy-go-lucky <laughs> kid. And You got to interview him as well. What uh, did you learn from your piece on Igor?
1: He's just an incredible human being. I, I just think when you talk to him and you hear his story, I remember calling my editor after the interview with Igor and I spoke to his billet mom, Ashley, and I was just like, this is just like a good story. It's He's just a good guy, good family. I'm just, you're a reporter for me. And it's like, okay, I've got to be, I don't want to be biased, but you're like, I'm rooting for this guy. Yeah, get like the you, pom-poms you out. To, Oh my God. Yeah. I was like, I'm cheering for you man like just a good guy and everything that he's kind of worked on and, and kind of been through I know it's not unheard of in hockey to move away at a young age but I just always feel for someone you move away from home at 13 you move across the world at 16 and you watch your dream slip away two years in a row and you have that really difficult moment where you realize, like, maybe I'm not good enough. Okay, so what am I gonna do about it? And a lot of people would just say, okay, maybe I'll find something else. I'll go to university. I can get my university education paid for. I'll stay in North America and I'll get a degree. Or you can, you know, really dial it in and focus, and and that's what he did. And he had an incredible season. He was arguably the best goal scorer in junior hockey last year and major junior across Canada. And you know, obviously, got drafted by the Sens, and that. That TikTok that went viral with the Rascal Flats music playing in the background—it oh, was just, it's such a lovely story, and it's just so nice. And you know, I—I got this great quote from his coach and Kate Breton, just said like, the Senators aren't just a team to him; like they're the ones who wanted him the most. They picked him, and he's going to give his heart and soul. And give them everything just to thank them for taking him. And that's the kind of guy you want. Like, when you're talking about building culture uh, and, you know, having that winning culture and having a team first kind of group, like, Igor Sokolov is exactly the guy that you want in that sense room and on that team. And like I said, yeah, I've got the pom-poms out. I just, I think it's well, an incredible story. Well, now you're in Calgary, you're allowed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, maybe not if you're talking to Flames fans. You're like, why is... <laughs> Why is our new reporter like always talking about you or Sokolov? Like, aren't you watching our games? But no, it's uh, that's the one thing is so gratifying about covering prospects is you get to you hear so many great stories. I think you know everyone has one, but that was one that really you just hear it and you're like, this is just a good, good story. Like you, you're just happy for him and you hope, hope they have success because, yeah, there's the reporter stuff and there's analyzing the game. But again, these are people and it's just you know, it's just nice to see. Maybe I'm like a mushy person, but I just love seeing people (laughs) have those like achievements in their lives. I just think it's special.
0: Couldn't agree with more, Haley. And like when we talk to him, like it's it's just so obvious. You hear the stories of him delivering groceries in his community Amazing. during COVID. Yeah. Like just such a good guy. And and you know, like obviously, it's a good spot for him to come to Ottawa. He's got his billet brother Drake Bath- Batherson, mm-hmm. who's here, and he's told him a lot of good things about Belleville about uh, the. The organization as a whole. And it seems like Ross and I have gotten a chance to talk to quite a few people close to the draft picks that the Senators chose in 2020. And we found a common denominator that a lot of these guys have high character. Like you look at a guy like uh, Cole Reinhardt, we talked to a reporter from the Brandon Sun, and he said Cole was working on his ranch when he got the call that he got drafted. Like just good, hardworking, salt-of-the-earth Uh, kids so I want to ask you of all these 2020 draft picks I mean small sample size for a lot of them but which one of them has exceeded your expectations on the ice so far
1: yeah that's a good one and I mean I probably would maybe exclude like I don't think Tim Stutzel has exceeded my expectations I mean he's he looks fantastic but that's what we expected right Um, I think if you've watched Tim Stutzel before and you heard um, everything you know, you just know he's going to be a pro and he looks like a pro. He looks like a guy who's ready to step in and play professional hockey. So nobody yell that I'm not saying Stutzla because he's just, he's exactly as advertised. Um, I've been very, um, you know, I think Jake Sanderson is, was a great pick at number five. I was originally part of the take two forwards crew in the top yeah, five, same. but I think Sanderson has shown that the Sens knew exactly what they were doing and making that selection like that. He's you just can't get past him, and he's shown a couple of flashes of good offensive upside. He's just really smart with the puck. Um, that assist the other day, I think it was his first assist, and everyone was talking about how great the goal was, and like Sanderson just had such great puck control and really yeah, good. Yeah, on the vision. Caulfield goal, right yeah that's, that's what we were saying goal.
0: no one's talking about the pass on that play
1: I was like uh he kept the puck in the zone like hello like nice goal Caulfield but Jake Sanderson did all the work and I'm gonna get all the Habs fans yelling at me too but um we did one of those like things Sanderson, on Twitter
2: you know like the meme where it's like you take a picture and then upgrade and then another one we put Caulfield yeah. and then a b- upgrade and then a Bramov that's kind of his player comparable for us <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's good yeah but in terms of like who's surprised me the most uh that's a tough question I think Robi Jarventi was like a really nice pleasant surprise just considering what the reaction was it was very similar to the Shane Pinto selection from the year before when Roby was selected a lot of the discourse was like who's that why'd they take him look at who they left on the board but then you see how great he's played uh, in Liga this year he was you know had a really really hot start so he was a nice pleasant surprise and I also think Tyler Clevin was a pleasant surprise too to be honest I think everyone kind of texted me about Clevin and just said like he only he just throws her on the body that's all he does but um, you, you can you say know, Rachel we, we had
2: Rachel Dory on the show we know that she hates
1: him. is that what she said <laughs> <laughs> she did she did say that to me she's like you're literally <laughs> just getting a big body I was like okay but no I thought he's looked really good inside the pod and you know I think Bradbury has shown that he is incredible at taking, you know, any NHL prospect and making them into a good player, but specifically with the Sens, they're doing a really great job there. I just, I really liked all, I mean, it's so early to tell, but um, those are just a couple that have been a really pleasant surprise. I could yeah,
0: Just uh <laughs> last question for me. Have Have you been following up with NODAC as well? Did he get a chance to get a good look at Pinto and JBD? And what'd you think of them? And again, short sample size, but we're working with what we got here in 2020.
1: Yeah, I was watching a lot of the NCHC pod in Omaha. And I I've always been really impressed with Shane Pinto. You know, I, I did a story on him. It feels like a year ago now, but it was in April I think
2: that's where I learned, um, I love the insight there where he was a shortstop until he was like 15 had no real mm-hmm. plan to play hockey
1: yeah his whole family plays like baseball softball and that's what he wanted to do and then he watched I think it was the first cup that the Penguins won in their back-to-back it was like the first the second in that back-to-back and was like oh <laughs> maybe I should try to be like Sidney Crosby and like he really hasn't been playing at a really high level in a long time and I think He's just exceeded so many expectations, and uh, it's been it's been impressive to watch him. He plays in all situations. Um, you know, he's playing, you know, on the first power play, the first PK. He's their best faceoff guy. Um, he's got a really good one timer from the circle. I think you guys have been calling it like the o- something about Ovi, but I don't know what exactly oh, you guys. Oh, the have ov spot, but we, we that, call
2: but. Pinto the Bean.
1: Oh the bean, who somebody said something about like Shane Pintovetsch. Oh yeah, that was uh, that, that was one us time time there, from- Yeah, yeah. We have some <laughs> yeah. fun with
2: the names, the plays on word. Rock and Robbie Arventi and the K Train Tyler Clevin. You don't want to be in the K Train tracks, or else you are gonna die. Whether it's seven one or or one one, it doesn't matter. He's gonna put you through yeah. the boards. Haley, final question from me, and we're going to be continuing to follow your work at The Athletic. We're so sad it's in Calgary, but you lived in Ottawa just (laughs) for a short period of time. We asked you about your favorite story, but what are you going to miss about living in the city of Ottawa?
1: Ooh, um, probably just, you know, it's tough because most of my time in Ottawa was in this pandemic. So, yeah. I just think it's a good city and I think the fan base is great. I think sense fans and the Senators get this like really weird kind of reputation around the league, but it's a really passionate fan base and you can tell how much everybody loves the team and you know even like there's just so many podcasts and blogs and, you know, everyone's so active on Twitter. And it's just like a really fun and like funny group. It's just a good group of people. And I think that's, you know, it's not something in the city, but I will just miss those daily interactions with Sans fans because they were so welcoming to me and really pleasant. And I just had a lot of fun, you know, being on this beat and working in this market. There's a lot of great people here. And I just think, I hope that that's something that... You know people realize instead of just making fun of the senators and making fun of their fans because they are really passionate and loyal and they're just good people
2: well the bird app isn't going anywhere anytime soon so i'm sure you'll be able to interact with them (laughs) on a daily basis still and Haley, from february 25th to march 7th five out of six games are going to be between the calgary flames and the ottawa Senators. so if you're up for it we'd love to have you back on the show during that we'll catch up on your early time in calgary and probably have some good banter between those two opponents. So thanks so much for joining us on the show, and we hope to do it again
1: soon. Awesome. Thanks so much, guys.
2: Just a class act all the way to the end, eh, Pills? Thanking the fans, and we thank her for joining the show. We're going to wrap up. No uh, organizational rankings today. It's been a packed show already. I mentioned no show on Wednesday, but we'll be back on Thursday with another great interview with Sylvain Sal Ron, Pilsy, can you think of anything else happening on Thursday?
0: Of course, it's a day we've all been waiting for. There's no way I would forget this date, Ross. It's the start of NHL training camp for those seven teams that did not qualify for the playoffs. And this this is it like we're we joke with uh sylvain as you'll hear in the interview but the lineup tweets are going to be coming out fast and furious and there's going to be way too much way too early speculation on who's playing with who what lines work who deserves a more of a chance and uh you know it's it's going to be crazy but it's going to be fun
2: and where derek Stepan will fit in because we know that he will not be at camp on day one awaiting the birth of their third child so An opportunity for another young center to come in and get um, a chance higher up in the lineup. Pilsie, it's going to be 295 days from the last game they played until the start of training camp. And you could argue that not only with the best uniform in the National Hockey League, but with the roster moves as well, this may be the most improved team in the National Hockey League and we'll be with you every step of the way. So make sure to subscribe to the Locked On Senators podcast wherever you download your Locked On podcast. And you can follow us on Twitter as well for daily content at Send Central. But for today, we say goodbye. For Brandon Pillar, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast. Your team every day.